Good morning, church. It's always a blessing to come together and worship with one another. Uh, so another Sunday together uh, is refreshing for the soul, especially as we are continuing uh, our month-long focus on prayer. Uh, and over the past few weeks, we've looked at uh, why we pray. We've looked at when we pray. And this morning, we're approaching um, how we come before the Lord. But before we begin unpacking this passage, I don't know how many people here this morning are familiar with uh, Johnny Erickson Tata. Uh, today, she's a, a, a woman who leads a very prolific ministry, uh, especially focusing on a, a Christian ministry, ministry to the disabled. But growing up, she was a, a young lady born in 1949 who lived a very active and outgoing life. She had a, a rather athletic family, and because of this, they would do activities together like uh, horseback riding and hiking and, and tennis and swimming. They were always on the go, always very active. But in the summer of 1967, as she dove into the, Ches the Chesapeake Bay, she misjudged the depth of the water and suffered uh, a, a very tragic injury. She, she had a fracture between the fourth and fifth cervical levels in her spine. And ever since then, uh, has been a quadriplegic. During her re rehabilitation, uh, she seriously struggled with, with uh, questions of, of doubt in, uh, in herself and in her faith. She struggled with, with anger and depression and struggled with, with suicidal thoughts. This was a drastic tragedy that has forever altered her way of life. But at the same time, she also learned a new way to express herself, and she was able to teach herself how to paint and how to write actually by gripping a paintbrush or a pencil or, or thing, items like that in her teeth, and then she was able to find an outlet to express her sorrow and her grief and to express her heart. In 1976, she wrote her own autobiography, and at this point today, she has written over 40 books chronicling her struggles and her ministry, and her faith. In 1979, she began a ministry named Johnny and Friends, which is a Christian ministry within the disabled community. But she's also recorded several musical albums. She's been a, a conference speaker. She's served in the U.S. State Department on the D Disability Advisory Committee. And she's been an advisor on multiple uh, committees and, and executive boards, including uh, a, a, the Christian Medical and Dental Society and Young Life, among many others. And I share that because her accident was a traumatic experience, but through her struggle, Johnny learned how to embrace her brokenness and found that her weakness became a platform to share her faith not just with those immediately around her, but with people around the world ranging all the way from government leaders to other people struggling with their own disabilities. It would have been 
extremely easy for Johnny to have given up, to play the victim card and to say, woe is me, I cannot do this, and to just give up and let uh, the negativity of her accident consume her. But she was honest about her weakness, and it strengthened her faith. And the Lord used her to strengthen others. Because the, the weakness and the faithfulness of a believer are intertwined. A believer, more often than not, will find their faith has been strengthened by being honest with their weakness. In fact, the passage in Matthew 26 uses Jesus' own prayers to show that faithful prayer is honest about your weakness. Faithful prayer is honest about your weakness. They go hand in hand. Uh, To be honest about your weakness will lead to prayers of faithfulness. And for the believer, this faithfulness is displayed in this passage by admitting weakness in three ways. First, in verses 36 through 38, by admitting weakness with those around you. Admitting weakness with those around you. And 39 through 44, admitting weakness with the Father over you. So first, admitting weakness with those around you. Second, admitting weakness with the Father over you. And lastly, in verses 45 and 46, admitting weakness with forward action. So admitting weakness with those around you, admitting weakness with the Father over you, and admitting weakness with forward action action. Before I go any further, let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, God, we confess. We confess our our weakness, and and we confess that far too often uh, we do not want to expose uh, the weaknesses and the fears that plague our heart. And so, God, I pray that You would pour out Your Spirit at this time, that You would speak to us through Your Word, that this would not just be a collection of, of my thoughts, that, that, that this, would, this sermon would not be my work or effort, but, God, that You would speak through a broken vessel like myself. God, transform us by the power of Your Word and show us that we can find faithfulness in admitting our weakness. Be with us now, we pray. In the mighty name of Christ, amen. So at this point in the book of Matthew, Jesus knows that His crucifixion is just around the corner. The majority of His earthly ministry has been accomplished, and He knows that He is about to fulfill the role of the suffering servant that was prophesied in Isaiah. He knows that he is about to suffer for the salvation of God's people. And the first thing that this passage shows is the importance of admitting weakness with those around you. In verse 36, Jesus uh, went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch 
with me. He, he has his disciples with him, and yet he, he removes himself and a few of his closest confidants. He removes himself from the bulk of his disciples and goes to pray. As I said, he takes his closest confidants with him, and, and with them he admits his struggle. He admits his sorrow, as it says, even to death. Even though we are quick to admit within our Christian circles how we, we truly and fully believe that Jesus Christ is fully God and fully man, the tendency is often to emphasize His deity and His Godhood so much that we begin to overlook the truth and the struggle of His humanity. Jesus knows that He is about to suffer. He knows that He is about to be mocked and beaten and crucified. He knows that He is about to experience a very painful death. He knows that this is why He was sent and that this crucifixion he is about to endure is excruciating pain. And in his humanity, in his flesh, he is full of sorrow and stress. In fact, he's so stressed that in Luke 22, it says that as he is praying, that he begins to sweat blood, that he is so uh, stressed about what is about to happen to him physically that his flesh is struggling with weakness. And I want you to think about your natural tendency when stress arrives in your life. When you have problems that come up at work or in school, when you have uh, a, a, some kind of struggle within your marriage or within your family relationships, whenever you struggle with depression or loneliness or anxiety, when these things kind of creep up on your heart and the fear begins to attack you, The tendency for a lot of people is to say something along the lines of, well, I don't want to be a burden on other people. Everyone else, they have their struggles too, and so I don't want to burden other people with the things that are going on in my life. Or for me, I, I, I've spent the, the last 20 years in youth ministry working with students, and I've seen this ranging all the way from, from middle school kids all the way up to adults, but one of my most frustrated things is when someone is struggling with someone, and instead of actually going to people that they trust and asking for prayer, they, they, they do the Christian thing of asking for the unspoken prayer request. In fact, they don't, they don't even like fully flesh out a sentence when you're, when you're taking prayer requests, unspoken. It's just like this natural sense that like, well, I don't want to admit that I'm struggling with something, but I know that I need prayer, and so I just I'll give this vague answer that indicates that I need some kind of prayer, but I won't tell people what. And yet, Scripture is full of this concept that I like to call one-anothering. That it's this active participation for God's people to be engaged in the lives of one another. That the, the, God's people are called to love one another. Jesus said we're supposed to be washing one another's feet, not necessarily physically. I mean, that's a great spiritual practice, but even metaphorically to submit ourselves to one another, to be at peace with one another, to encourage one another, to pray for one another. 
In Galatians chapter 6, verses 2 and 3, Paul writes, to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Now, I want to be very clear. I'm not saying that you need to announce your fears and your struggles and your weakness with everybody. You don't need to go on social media and declare the deepest, darkest corners of your heart for the entire world to see. But Scripture shows that God's people are called to share their struggles with one another. Jesus Himself shared His struggles with those closest to Him. And so, Christian, I have to ask, are your struggles more intense than what Jesus went through? If the Lord Himself was willing to share His weakness and His sorrow with others, is your struggle so great that you cannot share what even Jesus Himself did? Back in college, I spent a summer working with a missions organization called YouthWorks in Chattanooga, And every week we would have a group of middle schoolers come in and we'd plug them into local ministries. And uh, each day, uh, my job was the role of the the worship and and, uh, scripture leader. And so each day I would, I would, uh, I would lead the, the quiet time, I would lead the evening session, I would lead the worship. But one of the things that our crew did to kind of give a more personal touch was at the end of the night, we would almost have like a, a story time as everyone was going to bed. And part of that story time, uh, each one of us on the team would share our testimony. And part of my own testimony is my struggle with depression and the very real and dark places that the heart goes to in the midst of depression. And because I was willing to share my own struggles with these students, that summer I actually had three separate students come up to me and and opening their heart to me saying that they had these same struggles. In fact, one of the students went so far as to say that he was originally planning that when he went home, he was going to harm himself physically out of the weakness of his struggle. But because of the struggle that I went through, the Lord used me to speak peace into these students. Not to to glorify myself in that, but to to say that when you open your heart and when you invite others into your weakness, you are providing a platform for others to have the strength to say, you know what, me too. I might put on a good mask, but my heart is weak and terrified and I am right there with you. Sometimes you need to be the catalyst and start sharing that weakness so that way other people can, can say, I, I'm afraid too. I struggle too. I, I needed to know that I am not alone in this. And that begins this process of one anothering to bear one another's burdens, to pray for one another, to care for one another. And so I have to ask, what weaknesses are burdening you? As we see here, Scripture 
shows that Jesus himself invited others into his own weakness. The Son of God is saying, pray with me. And so I invite you, invite others into your weakness. Surround yourself with people who will pray for you. And your struggle might also encourage them to do the same. But this passage shows that faithfulness is more than just admitting weakness with those around you, but it's admitting weakness with the Father above you. Look at what happens next in verse 39. Going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, Could you... Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again for the second time, he went away and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time saying the same words again. So Jesus invited his closest confidants into his own weakness, into his own struggle. But they did not understand the weight and the significance of what he was stepping into. But in his own prayers, he was honest with his struggle with our Heavenly Father. He says, if this is possible Please, let this cup pass. He knew what he was about to endure. He knew the pain and the suffering that was just around the corner for him. And this is the Son of God knowing that this was his mission, that he came not just to teach, but to be the perfect sacrifice for God's people. And and he's admitting in his prayer, if there is any other way possible, that would be great. But if not, not my will but yours be done. The Son of God, knowing fully well that this is why He was on earth, is honest to the point of He's saying, God, if there is any other way that we can do this. But then He's reminded of the faithfulness of the Father and says, not my will, but yours be done. Our Western culture places a lot a lot of emphasis on individuality. That you are an an independent unit removed from everything and everyone else around you. Not relying on other people. That if if life knocks you down, that you just need to pick yourself back up and, and try again. And this outlook on life has made its way into the, uh, oftentimes the way that we approach God in prayer. In fact, there's th- this sense of implicit teaching that praying for yourself is often viewed as a selfish act. And even when we do pray for ourselves, it's often the peripheral stuff. It's the surface level things. We're not praying for matters of our heart, but we're praying for provision for, for like finances or a broken down car or, uh, you know, Aunt Sally is sick and please take her cold away. We're, we're praying for surface level stuff instead of the deep fears of our hearts. 
And yet here is the Son of God Himself being brutally honest with the Father to the point where He's saying, God, if there is any other way, let this cup pass from me. And yet, this prayer does not surprise the Father. When Jesus is teaching in Matthew 6, He reminds His disciples that when they pray, that the Heavenly Father knows what you need before you even ask. God is not surprised by your prayers. You can't share your weakness and, and all of a sudden God kind of steps back and says, like, whoa, where did that come from? When you pray about your struggles and your weakness and your fear, God is not disappointed. Oh, I thought He was doing better than that. When you share your weakness with the Father, perhaps your prayers are not about bringing some sort of miraculous change, but perhaps that the Lord is using your prayer to remind you that He is in control, that He is the faithful one. God was not surprised when Job brought his sorrow over losing everything that he owned and losing his family. God was not surprised at Abraham's prayer asking for Sodom and Gomorrah to be spared if the Lord would find righteous people. God was not surprised when Moses struggled with leading Israel through the wilderness. God was not surprised by, by David's prayers in the midst of his sorrow after his sin. God was not surprised with Jesus' prayers here. And He's not surprised by your prayers where you admit your struggle and your fear and your doubt. He's big enough to handle your weakness. And so, Christian, bring your weakness before the Lord. Not because He needs you to update Him because He has no idea what is going on, but because your faith needs to be reminded of His faithfulness. Bring your weakness before the Lord, and He will remind you that He is the one who is consistently there for His people. And finally, while this passage shows that you should invite others into your weakness and admit your weakness with the Heavenly Father above you, it's more than just that, but that faithful prayer is demonstrated by admitting weakness with forward action. This passage ends beginning in verse 45 saying, Then He came to His disciples and said to them, Sleep and take your rest later on. See, the hour is at hand and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise. Let us be going. See, My betrayer is at hand. The same Jesus who is admitting that He is full of sorrow. The same Jesus who knows that He is about to suffer excruciating pain gets His disciples and is basically saying, come on, let's go do this. It's time. The faithfulness itself is not in, the, in display by inviting others in and, and admitting your, your weakness to God. Those are good things. They're helpful to do. They're important and good for your spiritual growth. They're good for the church, capital C. But this is where faithfulness is put to action. 
While Jesus is literally walking into his, his approaching death, he's going faithfully, not because he's some sort of spiritual superman, but because in the weakness and fear of his flesh, he knows that the Lord is going with him. He's fully God and fully man, and, and even though those two are, are intertwined together, the Godhood in him is not giving, this, giving him this supernatural strength. His strength to walk forward faithfully is his flesh resting and the knowledge that the Lord is with him. The same God that David wrote about in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, knowing that the Lord is with him in the valley of shadow and death. When Paul speaks about his own weakness in 2 Corinthians 12, he admits that he prayed that the Lord would remove his weakness, this uh, metaphorical thorn in his flesh. And then Paul writes, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. This is the power of the gospel. That in your weakness, the full power of Christ is on display. In your fear or in your doubt, in your anxiety or in your depression, when you move forward, when you trust in, in what uh, God has done through, through the work and the blood of Jesus Christ, when you move forward in your weakness, you are putting the power of Christ on full display, not by your own effort, but by what He has already accomplished. And when your sin demanded a punishment and a penalty, the payment of death, the Son of God, both fully God and fully human, stepped into creation and took your sin upon Himself. And it was nailed to the cross with Him. And He didn't just die to pay your debt, but in that process, He made you a co-heir with Himself. So that not only are you made clean, but that you have the status of a holy child of the Lord. And that is why Paul writes in Romans 8, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Christian, there will be struggle. There will be weakness. There will be fear and doubt. And you might not want to admit it, 
but Jesus himself, God in the flesh, is showing here in this passage that he is trusting that the heavenly Father is big enough to have all of those fears and doubts and weaknesses and struggles under his control. And that the faithful prayers of the believer admits weakness and moves forward not by trusting in your own strength or your own effort or your own ability, but faithful prayer moves forward because you're trusting in God's power and what He has already done. And so I don't know what weakness might be striking fear into your own heart today, but I want to challenge you with this. Will you continue to face your own weakness in your own strength? Refusing to admit your weakness to those around you, refusing to let people in, and thinking that you have a better handle on your own struggle than the God who has displayed His power throughout history? And will your weakness and fear prevent you from walking in faithfulness? Or, will you admit your weakness to those around you, inviting others into your struggles and practice one-anothering by inviting others to pray with you. Boldly confessing your fear to God so that He may remind you that He is the source of faithfulness itself. And will you move forward trusting not in your own self, but in the faithfulness of a God who sent His own Son to redeem His people and fulfill His own covenant promises? Christian, I have to ask you, how Will you pray? Let us pray now. Lord, we come to you today and we confess that far too often we want to hide our weakness, that we want to put on the the good Christian mask that we do not want to display any fear or doubt that we may be struggling with. But we confess that it eats away at our soul. And so, Lord, we bring our weakness to You now. We, we, we confess, God, that we far too often think that we know what's best. And so, Lord, we pray that, that You would give us the strength to, to, to let others in and to share our weakness so we can be encouraged by their prayers, but that they may also be encouraged by our struggle. Use us to encourage others around us and encourage us with their prayers. Lord, we pray that you would give us the strength to be honest with you about our fears and our doubts and our weakness and our struggles. God, you are not surprised by anything that we struggle with. And so, Lord, I pray that we would confess our fears and our doubts and our weakness and that we would see that you are the faithful one. And God, we pray that we would be able to move forward in faithfulness, that we would be able to walk in faithfulness, trusting You, not because we have earned Your love, not because we have earned Your mercy, but God, that You chose to love us first. Let us rest and trust and walk and move forward in the victory Jesus Christ earned on our behalf. And it's in His holy, 
mighty, victorious name we pray. Amen.